0: a Day Podcast.
2: and welcome to another edition of a a Pack-A-Day podcast 24-7, 365 days a year. This is not the voice that you are used to hearing, although I do have the same name. Jake Turner is out tonight. He is trying to take over the world. So his class schedule has overtaken him a little bit. And the schedule between myself and Mark Eccle were unable to sync up. So we have a brand new, completely different podcasting team. For this specific evening, and one that if you follow TV and PackersTalk.com, you're familiar with already. Pulse of the Pack is in the house again. We were just on last night talking a little bit, but we had so much fun. We're going to do it all over again tonight. I am your host tonight. I am Jacob Westendorf, and joined with me is the gray-bearded wonder, he himself, Jason Perrone. Jason, welcome to Pack-A-Day, first of all. It is an honor for me to welcome you into this family because this is your first episode with us so welcome and how are you doing tonight
3: i'm doing great it only took almost a year for me to finally get on this darn thing i actually just reached out to andy herman and said hey if you need any fill-ins let me know Uh, i'm happy to jump on when i can so this has been you guys have done a great job with uh, with the run so far and thanks for uh for bringing me on
2: yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I uh, I've enjoyed it. I've been on the team since the pretty much the very beginning. Uh, and when I said tonight, I was like Andy, you know, I need who does Jake normally host with? And then I talked to Mark and I said, who are some recommendations you have for another fill-in? And he said Jason Perone, and I was like, oh, I'm familiar. <laughs> so I'll call him and ask and see what's up. So we have Jason, we have Pulse of the Pack in the house, but tonight we are doubling as Pack a Day uh, and perhaps Batman here in the next you know couple hours. Who knows? Uh, maybe i i'm not saying that i am batman all i am saying is batman and i have never been seen in the same room together so let's leave it that way there jason an eventful week uh it's sunday morning as the listeners are catching up here one of the most uh busy weeks that the packers have had as far as an offseason goes really ever uh if we're being honest the the Packers signed four free agents on Tuesday, and we kind of talked about that on our show last night. Uh, and I don't want to beat a dead horse. Everybody at this point, unless you live under a rock, I think knows. Darius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, and Billy Turner, all new Green Bay Packers. Brian Gutekunst introduced them to the media uh, the other day in a press conference and spoke about what led him to those players, all those sorts of things. So that was a lot of fun. Jason, in terms of just fun being in the news because I can tell you I never thought this time of year was depressing just because most of the time I didn't think Green Bay was missing out on players that they absolutely had to have that was a make or break difference between the Super Bowl but it is nice to see Green Bay in the news at this time of year because we're starved for Packers news the Packers haven't had anything really I mean they've had a new head coach and all that sort of stuff but from a player acquisition standpoint, really, we're just starved for news because it hasn't happened. So, I start by saying, Jason, in terms of just fun, when's the last time you can remember something being this much fun in terms of the off season?
3: It's been a while in terms of that. I mean, fun. There's a couple individual things I could point to. I mean, with Julius Peppers signed, that was fun, but that was one single signing. We didn't know what we were getting, but that ended up working out really well. So probably the most recent example would be that, I mean, I'm not even going to talk about the signing that was made two years ago because I don't want to regurgitate my dinner. And I, you know, last year, Jimmy Graham, okay, you know, that was the name. Packers fans like to get excited about that. But yeah, it's been a good long time. It's been a good long time since they've added this many guys. I mean, I think we'd have to go back to like the Mike Sherman days or maybe even like when Ron Wolf was the general manager. But you know the big thing is they got to pay off and I, I think hopefully that they will but it's there's been a lot of change that we have had to digest over the last 2 months 3 months since they hired a new coaching staff and an entirely new team so there's going to be a lot of anticipation when this team starts playing some actual football in preseason and then definitely when they kick off the regular season is just to, just to see what's what's happening and what's going on but there's a lot to be excited about no doubt
2: yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to go uh, nonpartisan here for everybody because, as we've mentioned several times on Pulse, this is not a political show, but this is change that we can believe in, which, of course, was Barack Obama's uh, campaign slogan in 2008. And they are trying to make the Green Bay Packers great again, uh, which, of course, was Donald Trump's in 2016. So there's your nonpartisan uh, political joke for the evening. Jason, it was
3: change, it was change we could believe in, but then. You know, he didn't want to come visit the world champs, which was really disappointing for a sitting president. But, you know, Charles Woodson fixed that real
2: quick. Well, that's as as Charles Woodson said, President, don't want to come watch us at the Super Bowl, then we'll go see him. And they did. And one of my favorite Barack Obama quotes in recent memory is, I have learned what every quarterback learns, and that is do not mess with Charles Woodson. And he was absolutely correct. So, Mr. Woodson, uh, thank you for that. That is one of my favorite memories that I'll ever have. And Barack Obama is from my home state. So, of course, he was a Bears fan. That was a little bit of fun and a little satisfying as well for that time frame, uh, but that's not what we're here for tonight. Uh, we are here, Jason. We're going to kind of reassess the team needs because free agency can change things uh, to some degree, at least. So at the beginning of at the beginning of the off season, I think it would have been pretty obvious that Green Bay's biggest needs were at the safety position, edge rusher, maybe receiver, tight end a couple another running back those sorts of things and then the Packers go out and sign a couple guys so maybe the order of those things has changed so what I want to go through with you is going into the draft in your mind what is the order let's rank the three biggest needs for the Packers for me I'm going to start by saying I think the still the biggest need is a pass rusher now that doesn't necessarily mean an edge rusher like it may have meant a couple weeks ago uh, when we had this conversation. So essentially what I'm doing is leaving the door cracked open there for Mr. Ed Oliver, one of my favorite players in this year's draft. And for some reason, almost every mock I do has him available at 12 overall. And I think that that's somebody that if he's on the board at 12 overall, Green Bay has to strongly consider who that guy is and whether or not he should be a Green Bay Packer. And I definitely think if that's the case, It depends on who else is there, obviously, Uh, but for me personally, the only one that I'm having an argument with is if Brian Burns is still available. On my own personal big board, which I posted for some of you today on my Twitter account, I posted the top 20. I have Ed Oliver coming in third overall, and I have Brian Burns fourth overall on my big board, which is slanted a little bit towards the Packers. So, for example, a quarterback's not going to be very high on that list because I don't think they should pick one at 12 overall, but Pass rusher, I still think, is toward the top of that list. I think tight end is toward the top of that list as well. I would put that as a second knee. Jimmy Graham's not going to be around forever, probably just one more year. And then you have, obviously, Mercedes Lewis is back, which was a little surprising, and Robert Tanyan, who has four catches and for some reason is seen as a Green Bay Packers legend around some of these parts, and yes, that is tongue-in-cheek. After that, I think you can make a pretty solid argument for a lot of positions, but third, I, I, I think I'm going to go with a long-term option at the safety position. The problem I have with that is I don't love any of the safeties in this year's draft. There isn't a guy who I think you sit there and you go, man, that's the guy. You know, and you've done that in reason, like when Earl Thomas was a, a draft prospect, that was a possibility of somebody that you looked at that way. You don't do that with any of these guys. They all have some sort of flaw in their game. And I just don't know if there's somebody that fits specifically. I think it's possible that they sign somebody to another one-year deal and kick that can down the road, or maybe they go with Adrian Amos and Tremont Williams. I don't know how in love with that idea that I am, but that's what I would say. I think some other positions, like I mentioned, wide receiver could be an option, Uh, and then obviously running back, offensive line help, those sorts of things. But those are my three. I'll go pass rusher, tight end, and safety. Jason, is that your order? Do you have a different order? What are you looking at as far as the top three team needs as we get into this? Really now draft season, we're looking at bargain-free agents and pro days from now until April 25th.
3: Uh, Number one, they need a football player. Number two, they need another football player. And number three, they need a third football player. So for those of you who don't know me and have not heard me before, the Packers need football players. What does that mean? They need guys that ball out, that can ball out no matter what's going on and regardless of what system you put them in. So... Uh, I'll just tell you right now, because I don't want to sit here and say I think the Packers need another side-to-side linebacker, but there is a certain linebacker who is one of the Devins, and it's not the one everybody seems to be talking about, that I'm hoping the Packers get first and foremost, or at least land in this draft. So, uh, no, that's, that's that's, that's me advocating for Devin Bush, and that's obviously not what I would say is a position of need, but the Packers need players like that. That's why I said tongue-in-cheek the way I did. So for me, I think it starts with, you said pass rush, and you can never have too much of that. I'm on board with you on on Ed Oliver. If that happens, that's a great pickup. And then the Packers just haven't, I mean, we've heard this before, and, and, you know, the embarrassment of Rich is in a position. Their defensive line is just absolutely rock solid. with Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, Dean Lowry, Montreal Adams, And then you throw an Ed Oliver in there. I just I I don't know how on earth opposing offensive lines are going to handle all that. So and that I mean that's every single snap. So good luck. They're going to be exhausted on the on the way home. Hopefully, hanging their heads uh, on the plane ride back home with a loss, the opponent. So, but I would say first and foremost, let's get ourselves a tight end because it's time for them to to do this right. Get a guy that's going to be the future at the position that's going to be a long-term part of the offense. Jimmy Graham is not that. Robert Tonning is definitely not that. And outside of that, they really don't have a whole lot else to work with. So I'm going to go with tight end, and I, I've i seen a lot of, of that. You know, now that the free agency period has gone the way that it's gone, I'm starting to see a lot more Hawkinson, Fant, Mox, to Green at 12, which, okay, that makes sense. So tight end would be number one. Second to me is the offensive line. I know they just signed Billy Turner, but I have no idea how good Turner's going to be in this offense, and I don't know how they view him and what what he's going to be. Is he going to become the Don Barclay, but hopefully way better, where he's the Swiss Army knife and you can just insert him wherever you need to? Do they think he's going to compete for the starting right guard job? I don't know. I think they need to address that long term because they've already got solid pieces along the line. And you turn that into one of the more solid offensive lines in of football, and you could help fix some of the ails that the quarterback had last year. So, offensive
0: line would be number two for me, and then number three is—I
3: I definitely agree with with uh, you on the safety position being important. They need to—they need to do something at safety. I don't think if they if they went with what they had right now, because right now you basically have Tremont Williams. You've got Adrian Amos now, and outside of that, I don't really think there's a solid answer. I'm not going to start talking about Josh Jackson because we don't know if that's happening or not, and I frankly don't know if that's a great idea. So bring a guy in that can can help compete. You know, and Josh Jones, I know, you know there's, there's a lot of hope for Josh Jones, but you know, bring a guy in that can get deep and maybe fortify that position for a while because Amos is young, and if you bring in a rookie that can start right away and can be any more effective than ha-ha Clinton Dix was at the peak of his time in Green Bay in his rookie season, then I think the Packers are cooking with gas. I think they're doing really, really well. So those are the positions right there. But, you know, honestly, I just want to see him pick the best guy for for this team, however it shakes out. We also don't know, I mean, I talk about parallels all the time in the history, and here we are 10 years to the to the year later, and the Packers are sitting with two first-round picks. Now, when they went into the 0-9 draft, they didn't have two first-rounders. They had the ninth overall. They used that to pick B.J. Raji, and then Ted Thompson moved back into the first round, traded with New England, and picked up Clay Matthews. The Packers now already have two first-round picks. So are they going to have as effective of a first round as they did then? Will history repeat itself? I do kind of think there's something kind of fun to look at there. You know, could they do it? I don't know, but that, that 30 spot is, is huge leverage for them. So I expect them to, to be really successful in, in whatever they end up doing.
2: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, obviously those are needs as well. The offensive line, I'm, I'm not going to argue, uh, but that does bring up a discussion I want to get to here in a little bit. The tight end position, Jason, I think that based on the Irv Smith measurements at his pro day and everything, Ross Uglum posted his RAS score It doesn't look like somebody that will be on Green Bay's radar. They've gone outside of that before, obviously, uh, but it does appear that if Green Bay is going to pick a tight end high, it's going to be one of the kids from Iowa uh, or bust in terms of picking someone high at least. The safety position, I think we've addressed that. Uh, I I agree with you that there's a need for some long-term potential there. Josh Jones, I think, is a linebacker. If anybody wants to look at the case for Josh Jones to play close to the line of scrimmage, Watched the Arizona Cardinals game. He looks like he was shot out of a cannon and made a sack. And I can tell you from live speed on that specific day, it was it was incredible uh, to watch that flash. And that's something you're hopeful for in the next uh, year or so because Josh Jones was 60th overall pick. He's got to play better. He's obviously not somebody I'm ready to give up on. Same with the other guys that you mentioned. You mentioned the offensive line, and I want to segue to that now, is the Packers have taken a couple of guys – at or excuse me they signed a couple guys as far as pass rushers go in the last couple of days and that has given the Packers some draft flexibility you mentioned Devin Bush uh, T.J. Hawkinson Noah Fant, are possibilities at Oliver you know there's a lot of possibilities that they have they could take a receiver if they wanted to do that but offensive line has been a discussion of maybe trying to find the right tackle of the future over someone like Brian you know to take Brian Belaga's place here's kind of where I struggle with that in terms of the top 15 because Green Bay is picking 12 overall and you imagine a team with Aaron Rodgers now we said this last year when they were picking 14th but a team that has Aaron Rodgers start over the last you know couple years typically is picking in the 20s and later that's what Green Bay's done very much so in this time frame that they've had Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre they just don't pick high because they're good enough to not have to do that the issue I have, it's very similar to the criticism I had last year of the Demarius Randall trade. And the criticism I had of the Randall trade was not trading Demarius Randall. I I personally don't care. Uh, I think it's very clear he wore out his welcome in Green Bay. And it just wasn't going to work here. Good for him. It appears to be working out so far for him in Cleveland. That's great. Awesome. The only problem I had with trading Demarius Randall is you traded him for Deshaun Kaiser, which is a backup quarterback and somebody that you, in this time where green bay has a a quarterback he's not old i wouldn't call him aging but he's not 25 years old either you traded an asset for someone you hope never plays because nobody wants to see deshaun kaiser play no offense to deshaun kaiser but he's not aaron Rodgers. it's that simple if the packers pick an offensive lineman at 12 if we're presuming that billy turner who is making seven million dollars a year and brian gutekunst can say all he wants about how we're a long ways away from determining starters. Okay, cool, great. Uh, you didn't pay a guy $7 million to sit on the bench, I don't think. So with that in mind, you have Bakhtiari, Lane Taylor, Corey Lindsley, Billy Turner, and Brian Balaga. Balaga's not going anywhere, guys. There's no point in cutting him. There never really was. So with that in mind, picking Jonah Williams or Jawan Taylor or Dalton Reisner at 12 if they go that route, or Cody Ford or name your guy. It really doesn't matter because Green Bay is hoping if they pick him at 12 that he never plays and if he never plays then I mean what are we doing here basically you know I I just have a hard time saying this is your last you hope this is your last top 15 pick in the next five years or longer you don't want somebody that you don't want to play right away now that's not the same as, like, saying, picking a pass rusher and making him the secondary guy. Brian Burns or whoever can be the next guy, if you will, uh, as a pass rusher goes. But you're not hoping he doesn't play the same way that you do, like, Jawan Taylor, where you hope he doesn't make any impact at all in his first season because the starting five in the offensive line stayed healthy. Jason, what's the earliest you are looking for an offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers? I just – approach this a little bit differently. So if
0: Jawan Taylor is there, Jonah Williams won't be. But if Jawan
3: Taylor is there at 12, I'm not saying he has to be the pick, but if he is, I am a okay with it. I mean, I know that Belaga's not going anywhere right now, and the best-case scenario is that he can give Green Bay another season or two. The history says that's probably not necessarily going to happen in terms of playing 16 games, and they don't have to draft – a, a guy at 12 just because they're not sure if Bulaga's going to miss a few games here and there. But it becomes an interesting situation for me because the reality is they have to plan for the future. It's not – we're not there yet, but we're getting there. And so it's – you know, unless you're talking about quarterback and in the case of an Aaron Rodgers, obviously you got to be smart about how you replace him. And when you do it, we're not there yet. So it's like, no, if Kyler Murray is sitting there at 12 – no, they should not draft Kyler Murray or whoever it be at quarterback. But it's a very important position, the tackle position is. I mean, we've seen some really rough times with with guys they've tried to put out there that have not gotten the job done. So, I. but I think to your point, it's, it's full. I mean, unless it is a quarterback, do you really want to draft a guy that isn't going to play you know, you need that impact, and, and you need it. The Packers are in win-now mode. Brian Gutekunst earlier this week at his press conference said, this is Green Bay, Wisconsin. We're always in win-now mode. Well, if you're if you're in win-now mode, then you obviously are, you need to spend your pick on a guy that's going to play. But, you know, yeah, the, you never know what the Packers are going to do. We, they can surprise us. They surprised us before. So, if they go offensive linemen, um, you know, I, I know some might be disappointed with it. I personally would not be – I'd kind of trust the process in that case and and then just see where we go from there.
2: Yeah, and I don't know if disappointed is the right word for me necessarily. It's just I think there's better ways to spend it. For example, let's just say every – Ed Oliver, Brian Burns, Montez Sweat, all those guys are gone. Let's just say those guys are gone. Trading back and taking Devin Bush or picking one of those tight ends like a Hawkinson or a fan, I just think that those guys are getting an impact for you in the first year that those guys aren't getting – I completely understand wanting to rebuild some of that offensive line just because we've seen it you don't invest in your offensive line and then one day Josh Walker and Don Barclay are your tackles and Aaron Rodgers nearly dies on the field in Arizona on that specific day so the offensive line is definitely a need I just don't know how invested I am in picking even as I'll understand if they take someone at 12. I'll understand if they take someone at 30. I'll understand if they take someone at 44. But me personally, I just think that they have spent some money on the position. Of course they want the flexibility. I just have a hard time accepting the idea that they're going to take a player in the first 50 picks that they hope doesn't play. So I think you kind of go and do what the Packers have always done. Take a left tackle... Or a right, a college left tackle, a college right tackle, in the fourth round, and make him a guard. Maybe he's a, maybe he's a swing tackle. Maybe he's a guard. Maybe he's a center. You know, like JC Treader was. They have options. I think that's the part that's the best of this entire setup with Green Bay is they have options and are able to do really, I mean, whatever they want. I just would prefer to come out of the the first day and a half so the second round with three players of a different position and players you hope can impact the game right away so jason we talked about this a little bit last night i kind of want to go over it again for these listeners maybe we don't have the same crossover although if we don't we should you guys should be listening into pulse of the pack and everything else that's on packerstalk.com in addition to the pack a day podcast every single day we talked about Two weeks ago, my ideal draft would have been like, okay, Brian Burns at 12, and then Devin Bush or one of the one of the tight ends at 30, and then another pass rusher, whether that's Ja'Kai Polite or Chase Winovich or somebody like that at 44. And what I'm wondering is if that has changed at all for you. Now, you're asking me right now, that was my ideal a couple weeks ago. My ideal now isn't all that different. Uh, I mean, I am much more open. Well, I shouldn't say I was never not open to Ed Oliver, but I'm more open to Ed Oliver just because now it's if they don't pick a pass rusher at 12, at least there's two guys there that I feel pretty confident about being able to play at a high level. Whereas if it was, you know, two weeks ago, we're talking about a starting edge rush unit that includes Kyler Fackrell and Reggie Gilbert and maybe Kendall Donerson. I mean, there's just nothing there of real substance to get you excited about that. So Ed Oliver is certainly a pick that I'm down with. I think it was Zach Cruz said, give Mike Patton, Ed Oliver, Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, Darius Smith, and Preston Smith, and he'll melt the quarterbacks. Definitely think that's true. Uh, so if you wanted me to go with ideal, just sheer ideal, I would say Ed Oliver at 12. Uh, I would take Devin Bush at 30. And I would take Chase Winovich at 44. Now, I know somebody's going to tell me you're kicking the can down the road a little bit as far as the tight end position goes and yeah that's true but the other reality is you can't have all the players that's the part that kind of sucks about the draft is me somebody who follows it really closely I fall in love with a lot of different guys and then I realize as draft day comes well we're not getting all of them so I have to come to the realization that maybe one of my favorite players is going to be playing for Chicago or playing for Minnesota or something like that now thankfully last year that didn't happen uh, there wasn't a guy that any of those guys picked it. I was like, man, I wish we could have got that guy. Maybe Anthony Miller for Chicago, but not really. Uh, so that's that's what I would do. And I've also mentioned my Twitter account. The profile picture is Chase Winovich. I am a Chase Winovich fan account. I've told you guys since September, I think he's a better player than Rayshon Gary, uh, the other Michigan defensive lineman. And I, I, I just think he's a really good player. I think he's a really good value. I think Green Bay would be... In very good shape if you add in Ed Oliver and Chase Winovich to the front seven, and then you throw in Devin Bush as well, uh, who I think is the best inside linebacker prospect in this draft. So, Jason, that was my ideal two weeks ago as opposed to now. Has anything changed for you? I mean, obviously you said you wanted three football players, but who who were those three football players, and now has that changed at all?
3: So... In the first round, because I said tight end was the number one need, um, I wouldn't want Irv Smith Jr. at this point, just because I don't think his size fits with what Green Bay is trying to do. I think if they get one of the Iowa tight ends, that's that's probably most ideal for me at twelve. Although if Oliver's there, um, you know, you can never have too many good defensive players, and then that can I can be very easily talking to that. And I think I'd be okay with that then obviously if that's happening early then I need you got to pick Bush at two at uh, 30 or move up and get him somehow some way and if they do then obviously they don't have a second round pick probably they don't have a second round pick then my third guy really doesn't matter because they're not going to be able to get him for me the third pick uh, or that second round the third overall pick for the Green Bay but the second rounder uh, to me I'm hoping that they take a look at the safety position and by then I don't know if it's going to be possible. You know, a lot of things move around, and and some of these players move around, but I kind of look at a guy like, I think Deontay Thompson's gone. I don't think he's on the board anymore. Uh, I like Juan Thornhill, and uh, I've heard a lot about Nasir Adderley, and I know there's a lot to love about him if you're a Packers fan and you love your Packers history. But but give me either Jonathan Abram or um, Gardner Johnson out of Florida, one of those three guys, I think, would be a fantastic pickup in the second round, and then you've you've addressed the safety position. I think you've made the back end of your defense really strong, and then they can kind of go from there. So on the offensive line, I mean, I said it was a big need, but I also think offensive lineman is a position where you can find your guy and you can get a guy in the mid rounds. I don't think they need to reach for somebody unless they absolutely love someone on the offensive line, and they fall to him and they trust their board. I think you can address that a little bit later. So if we're just purely talking about the first three picks, that that would be a great way for, for me to see it play out. But I have a feeling, like I said, we talked about this offline, Devin Bush I think is going to be one of those stock rises very quickly type guys and we've seen guys even the week of the draft all of a sudden go from being a late first, early second rounder to, okay, this team seems to be poised to pick this guy or is interested in this guy. I have a feeling Devin Bush might need to be the the Packers' first selection, even if they move back from 12, if they want to land him. So then that's going to change a lot of other things in terms of of what they do. But for me, that that would be kind of the ideal layout.
2: Yeah, that's, that's the fun part of this whole process is now it has changed and they have some flexibility, something they haven't had in a really long time. I think I mentioned last night on our show that you know, the Packers haven't really had to make a luxury pick in the first round since they took Derek Sherrod in 2010 after they won the Super Bowl. I guess that was a 2011 draft technically, but they won the Super Bowl. They took a left tackle that they hoped wasn't going to play the first year and then became the left tackle of the future. Ever since then, it's been trying to fill needs with players. Nick Perry. Demarius Randall, Kevin King, Kenny Clark, Dayton Jones, a bunch of different guys. Now, Kenny Clark has turned out to be a legitimate stud. That's been the fun part of them. But the hope you have here is that they are able to not only have that luxury, but also get some really good players in the process. And I think that they do have that chance. I'm really just hoping for a blue chip player at number 12 above all else, whether that's at Oliver, whether that's Brian Burns, whether that's one of the tight ends, it all remains to be seen. Jason, one last thing I want to get into before we sign off here, because it kind of goes into what we're talking about. The Packers actually re-signed Geronimo Allison today. And originally it was reported that they gave him the original round tender, uh, which was just the first right of refusal because he was an undrafted free agent. But now the Packers actually have reached a one-year deal with him to where no team can sign him to an offer sheet. Apparently teams were mulling signing him to an offer sheet. The contract details and such are unclear at this point. Geronimo Allison, to me, is somebody who... I don't really know exactly the analogy I want to make here, but he's a player who... He's a nice player. If you have him on your roster, you're a better team for it. However, he's also somebody I think you can easily upgrade from, and I hope that doesn't become a reason for the Packers to not address the receiver. Like, if they don't address the receiver position, I just mentioned, I got through the second round there without picking a wide receiver. However, I hope the reason for that isn't, well, we got Geronimo. Like, I hope that's not the case because I've never seen anything about of Geronimo that suggests to me this guy can be a high-end player. Now, can he be a good third wide receiver? Sure. But are good third wide receivers easily upgraded from? Absolutely. And Green Bay could certainly use a talent infusion on the offensive side of the ball as well as defense, like they mentioned. But they could use some talent on the offensive side of the ball because the offense has been neglected for the better part of eight, nine years because the defense has been so bad they've had to pick out of need again, and they weren't able to take those luxury picks like Jordy Nelson was. Randall Cobb was kind of a luxury pick when they took him. They haven't been able to do that in a really long time. So, Jason, where are you at as far as – Geronimo Allison being back in the receiver room, does that set it up perfect for you? Do you think that they can just go into camp with Devontae Adams, the three rookies from last year, Jake Kumoro, and Geronimo Allison and feel good about what they're doing? Or would you like to see some higher end talent potentially picked? Maybe that means pick 30, maybe that means 44, maybe that means a third round at pick 75. I don't know at this point. But I personally, I think I would like to see somebody added to those spots of need and value and everything like that match up together perfectly. But like I mentioned, Geronimo's a good player. If they go into the season with him as their third option, I'm okay with that. What I don't want to see is, again, the reason of Geronimo Allison being used as the reason that they don't add to the room that they already have. What's your your take on that?
3: I'm glad they brought Allison back. If they go into the season with just who they have right now, that's always a recipe for um, shaky ground. And I don't think that's the best – place to be. So adding talent would be important, but it's it's tough because look at all the, the I mean look at where we put our first three picks. Neither of us picked receiver. And that doesn't mean we're in the Packers boom, on draft day and making that decision. But it just doesn't seem like I'm hearing a lot of Green Bay is going to go wide receiver earlier than later in the draft. Now I've seen Andy Isabella mocked to Green Bay in the third as late as the third round. I saw one mock draft that had him being picked at thirty, which I thought was Hilarious. Um, I'll let that one die right there. But if they're going to infuse the offense and give weapons to Aaron Rodgers, makes sense. I mean, you know, they they added they haven't added any skill positions yet. These four signings were three defensive players and one offensive lineman. So maybe we've got this all backwards, and the Packers are going to go pure offensive skill players the first three rounds, and who knows how they're going to shake it out doing it, but. If they're gonna, you know, forty-four to me just seems like, are you gonna get an impact receiver that can come in and give you more than EQ and Marquez Valdez Scantlin can in year two? I don't know. So in that case, it's gonna be tough for them they can contribute right away. And even if they, so if they draft somebody after that, is that really gonna make you feel better about the wide receiver room? Not knowing what that player could add and having drafted him that late, I'm just not. I'm just not so certain. Um, I don't, you know, I don't. And there isn't really anybody else out there to be had. You know, all the all the top wide receivers are where they're at, and so that's just kind of where the where the Packers sit. I don't hate the room at this moment, but again, when they've gone into, you know, the year they didn't draft any pass rushers, and they went into the season with Clay and Nick Perry as their primary pass rushers, it, that didn't necessarily pan out as great because they didn't add any players or depth. So they've got to continue to add more talent in that passing game I just with tight end being such a need you know I could see this being one of those drafts where we're scratching our heads a little bit because they picked two two or three tight ends and they didn't add any wide receivers and they are going in with the with the guys that they have so I mean that's a good point we might have to wrap our heads around that being the reality of this season Uh, unless unless something crazy happens some guy gets cut that we don't Or another trade gets made. I've seen some other rumblings out there that we don't necessarily have to dip into because they're not substantiated. But it uh, this is going to be an interesting position to watch. I think adding Allison though gives you a lot of insurance, so I like the move, and I'm glad that he's going to be back. He had really good chemistry with Rodgers, and he hangs out of the football well, and and he's a he's a blue collar type player, exactly the kind of guy they need on that offense. So I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but they're going to they're going to have to try to figure out a way to get Aaron Rodgers some more weapons.
2: That they are, and there are plenty of weapons at our disposal here at the Packaday Podcast, and we just added another one by Jason coming in. That's going to wrap today's show, 24-7, 365, the Green Bay Packers analysis coming at you from the Packaday Podcast. Thank you guys for listening into this show and every other one. Thank you to everybody that has let me fill in and do as much as I've been able to do. Uh, thank you guys for listening to everyone that is coming up uh, through the ranks on this show. It's been a lot of fun. Over the last year or so. Stay tuned. We were just starting to kind of talk about it a little bit today. Maybe we've got something special coming for you guys on draft day, uh, which is one month and 10 days from right here as we record. The Green Bay Packers will be picking 12th and 30th in this year's first round. So a lot of excitement on that first night potentially. Uh, I know that it's always an exciting day for me, and it's even more so because now there's more picks and more things to play with. A lot going on there. The TSAD TV draft guide is also available. Pre-order for $7.99. Do that right now. Don't wait because then it'll be a little bit more expensive once that offer expires. You're going to want to do that. A lot of guys from this show and this website in general are doing a lot of good things uh, on this year's draft guide. But thank you guys for listening into this show. We got a lot coming for you here in the next several weeks. And as always, the three sweetest words in the history of mankind. Go,
0: pack, go. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast.